20 to 24. If you'd like to follow along in one of the Pew Bibles, that can be found on page 40, 1040. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him. Concerning your man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, you being here is encouragement to us, and we hope that we can encourage you. Uh, we do have at least 100 away on one particular gathering as they are camping together this weekend, as tradition has it, and we hope that they're having fun and having a, a great worship service together even now as, as we are. Also, uh, as already mentioned a few times, let's be sure and be mindful uh, in our prayers, but also in our actions and our words, things that we can do over the next few days and weeks to help our members that are hurting. Uh, we know clearly from the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 12 that when one in the body hurts, that all of the other members are to go and to suffer along with them. And let's make sure that we do what we can do. Also mentioned in the prayer a few minutes ago was the fact that Memorial Day is tomorrow. Uh, we ought to appreciate our freedom and the price that was paid for our freedom all year, every day. But let's make sure that as parents, we don't let the opportunity pass by to remind our children uh, what our freedom cost and that is continually paid for. And let's make sure that we fervently thank God on a regular basis uh, for our nation and that our nation would always conform and please Him and that we could grow closer to Him instead of further away from Him. We've been considering now this is our third lesson. The idea of looking at relationships from a heavenly perspective instead of from an earthly perspective. And as we do that, it affects much of what we do. And we looked at it especially one time as it related to womanhood and another time as it related to manhood. But yet these same principles apply to everyone. But today, let's take those same principles over and think as it applies to youth. But as you see this sermon develop, you're going to see that even though we'll give some illustrations and some application to youth, it's still a sermon that is applicable to everyone here of any age. But let's think as we introduce it, especially of youth. You know, in our nation, as we have confusing roles, and we had this same kind of introduction as we talked about womanhood, as we have confusing roles, it seems to place a, a confusion on, well, really, what is the responsibility that's given to us? For example, let me just throw out a few things that as young people hear this, what are they supposed to do with it? You're in a mall, and a young girl walks by, and, and you're an adult, a young girl walks by, 14 years old, and she barely has anything on. And one adult turns to another adult after seeing her and says, children just grow up too quickly today. Hmm. So if you want to grow up, don't wear anything. I've heard the statement several times. I'm sure you have too. To dress like Britney Spears is to act like an adult? Is that really what we want our children to believe? Maturity? 
has to do with immodesty or sexual immorality? Or we see children going home with a key and at the age of seven years old or at the age of 12 or whatever the age is, afternoon long, and someone looks at that situation and they say, children just grow up too quickly today. When a parent's making a decision to allow the children to stay at home, does that mean that that child has grown up just because they have their own key? Are they mature adults now? Or you hear a 14-year-old son back talk his mother, and the mother in kind of embarrassment says, oh, they just grow up so quickly. Is that what it is to mature and to grow up? I would say if you took a poll of the average high school student today, even the average high school student today might tell you that some of those things have to do with growing up. But friends, I believe if we all stop and really think about this, we would see that maturity still has to deal with responsibility, and integrity, and unselfishness, and convictions and the ability to stand on those convictions. Some of those characteristics and many more have always been the true definition of maturity. And so when we have our youth, that it is fine for them to act like a child, and the truth is, maybe one of the problems that our youth face today is everybody expecting them to grow up so quickly when the last time I checked the Scriptures in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, it's fine for a 13-year-old to act like a 13-year-old. When I was a child, I thought and I and I said things that were childish. It wasn't until I became a man or a full-grown adult that I stopped doing those things. What's wrong with a 10-year-old being a 10-year-old? What's wrong with a 15-year-old being a 15-year-old? Surely we would agree that there's nothing wrong, but our society says there's something wrong with it. Our society gives very little place for a child to be a child. But yet at the same time, the definition that society gives for that child to be grown up is not true either. Now think how hard it is to be a youth. You don't want me to be a child, but you want me to become this, but this is not adulthood? Let's go back and consider things from the Scriptures that we just read to lay the groundwork that we've laid two previous times. So I'm saying that to say we'll lay this groundwork very quickly. Back to the text in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We all have responsibility, and the responsibility has to begin with ourselves. and Paul makes it very clear. This paragraph, we only read half of the paragraph this morning. The first half of the paragraph that wasn't read in the text showed how these people went down the stair step down into a level of immorality. And so Paul writes and he says, I can reach that pit of immorality. And now we come to verse 20. Notice he says, but you have not so learned Christ. And for five verses, he uses the word six times, you or your. In other words, he says, I can tell you why you're on that bottom and on that pit of immorality. It's because of you. Taking upon yourself, or you haven't taken upon yourself. And so it's interesting that point number one this morning, and the point that we shall develop throughout this lesson, that even for youth, they have responsibilities that they must make in their life, just like men do, just like women do. You, you too have responsibilities that you have to take upon you and your life. 
And so the first responsibility that we point out in the first two verses is he says, you learn Christ. See there in verse 20, they were at the pit of immorality. Why? They didn't learn Christ. Verse 21, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him. So the point is, we have to take responsibility to say, this is what I need to learn. Now, note this also, youth. God gives your fathers a responsibility to teach you Christ. God gives your fathers a responsibility to teach you about Christ and about His teachings in, the very, uh, in, in this very same book. We're reading Ephesians 4. He teaches this in Ephesians 6 and 4. And so it is so important that when we think as parents, what can we do to help our child deal with all of this craziness that goes on at school? What can we help them to do to deal with things when they walk through the mall and they see advertisements and the admonition of the Lord. This is what he tells all people in Ephesians 4. You learn the Lord. You learn Jesus. You can learn the living. You can see how Jesus acts and how Jesus reacts. You can see how he thinks. You can see how he walks. You can see how he talks. Learn Jesus. Now, when we learn Jesus, it's going to cause a second responsibility, and that is we're going to have to change, and that's what verse 22 and 23 is talking about. We're going to see Jesus and we're going to say, you know, I have things in my life that have to be put off. I have been deceived, deceitful lust. I've been deceived according to this deceitful lust. And there are things I need to change in my life. And this takes us to verse 24. When we take those things out of our life that are wrong, and this is in this series are things that we've been calling the misbeliefs. When we take those misbeliefs out of our life, verse 24, we need to put on the new man now, how is this? According to God, in true righteousness and in holiness. We put on Christ. How? By learning of Him. By making changes in our life. And where does it take us? It takes us to a life of righteousness and of holiness. Now, we've been saying throughout this series, this quote, we are where we are in life because of the choices that we have made. We choose how to act and react. We choose how to feel. We choose what to think. Now, that's tough for any age. Oftentimes, youth would say, just as adults would say, my peers make me feel. No. Peers don't make you feel anything. We decide what to feel when our peers do certain things. Well, when I wear so-and-so to school, it makes me feel... No, we have made decisions on how to feel. What we think is so important to what we become. One philosopher said, I think, therefore I am. But another developed that much more thoroughly when he came across at least the line of thinking that says... What I think will determine what I become. And then that's not original with any man. I want to read to you three passages. And as I'm reading to you these three passages, if you will, be turning to Philippians 4. Philippians 4, just a few pages away from where we are. But now please listen as you're turning and listen to Proverbs 23 and verse 7. Proverbs 23 and verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is He. Why is it so important what we think? God says that's what we become. 
Listen to Proverbs 12 and verse 5. The thoughts of the righteous... I'll give you one guess. What are the thoughts of the righteous? God says the thoughts of the righteous are right. Well, of course. Whatever we think we become, we see someone that lives a righteous life and you say, I wonder what they're thinking. They're thinking righteous thoughts. We can't go through life saying things to ourselves that are lies. Remember, Satan is the father of lies. We can't be repeating to ourselves daily lies and on the other hand, live the truth. We just sung a song just a moment ago. It's the last song before the sermon, and it said that we would give up all of our earthly treasures to be more like God. Do you really believe that? You'd give up anything on this earth to be more like God? Now, if you told yourself that constantly, how would that affect your decisions? If our youth make the decision that to be more like God is far more important than popularity... How would that affect them the next time they have to make a decision and they know right here's God's way and right here's the popular way if they have been going through their life on a a system of belief that's been formed by the Word of God and the Word of God has been placed in their mind and they have been constantly thinking the way God wants them to think and then they arrive to this decision. Do I do what God says or do I do what is popular? The child that has had their faith system grounded and that's been their continual thoughts most of the time is going to say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay with God. And I say most of the time because none of us are perfect. But when you see that youth that continually does whatever's popular, they continue to do whatever's easy, they continue to do whatever makes them feel good, and you say, I don't understand why they do that. They go to church all the time. Why are they living like that? It's because of their belief system. Just because we sit in this house here on Sundays or Wednesday nights does not mean that we believe what is being taught. And so we see these children go throughout their teenage years and they don't believe it. And they turn 18 and they graduate from high school and they leave home and they stop worshiping altogether and we scratch our head and we say, how did we lose them? Friends, we never had them. You can't lose what has never been had. The Lord never had their heart. And if the Lord doesn't have the heart of an individual, He doesn't have the individual. And so as parents, what should we be concerned about? We should be concerned about what our child is saying to themselves day in and day out. Or our youth saying to themselves the truth. Let's hear another one. Psalms 119 and verse 59. I thought about my ways. I thought about my ways and turned my feet into thy testimony. What's going on here? An individual says, I'm in a daily situation. I've considered what I have to do, but I stopped and first considered what does God want. And I thought about what God wanted, and I realized I had some changing to do of the way I was walking. Think how wonderful that'd be for Think. and be willing at any time to change our feet to the way of God instead of trying to change the Word of God to where our feet may live. Philippians, the fourth chapter. How important is it to think? I want you to see that what we're studying this morning is it's, it's Bible. It's Scripture through and through. God is concerned about what is on the mind of our youth. Why is this so important? We won't have time to drive home all the applications, so let's just lay a little bit along the wall. Your child lays in bed at night and they look at the posters. What are they thinking? We need to be concerned. Who are the heroes of our children? 
Who are the role models of our children? Because that's what's on their mind. That's what they're thinking. Here's what the Lord says to think on. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are if there be any virtue, thing praiseworthy, meditate, or the king think on these things. He says, I want you to think about the things that are true. I want you to think about the things that are honest. Think about the things that are pure. Think about the things that are of lovely and of good report. Now this doesn't say... We need high school students that sit in high school and think, what's the honest thing for me to do? I wonder if we took a little survey right here of everyone that could honestly say, you know, stealing has never really been a great temptation for me. That doesn't mean none of us are perfect. But if you could honestly say, you know, stealing just has not been a temptation. I have never been tempted uh, to shoplift something. Uh, When I've seen something sitting in someone's yard at night to go and steal it, I've never been tempted to do that. You know, those that could say that could probably find this in common. You probably grew up in a home where honesty was spoken of often, and it was praised. And so your continual thoughts were, honesty is good. And then somewhere along the way, you grew old enough to understand the Word of God, and you started reading passages, just like is in our text in Ephesians 4. If you read down to verse 28, it talks about not to steal, but to work, and even work hard enough to have extra to give to those who have needs. And so as we learn the Word of God, we realize only is stealing something that I just don't want to be a part of, but now I understand even the Word of God. It's the way God would have me to live. And then you come across when it would been easy for you to shop say, that's not who I am. My faith will not allow that. My system will not allow that others in here that would have a temptation to steal, you'd have to admit that somewhere along the way that has not become as firm a system. And so the growth, the spiritual growth is to say, I need to take it from being an option to a belief system that's not an option at all. If I'm going to be a faithful Christian, I cannot steal any. The temptation comes available to shoplift something. We have to go through that thought process that says, I'm convicted not to do that. That is wrong. That is sin. And I'm going to live my life for the Lord. 11 of Philippians 4. Verse 11 says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned, for I have learned in whatsoever I am to be content. Now, this is interesting. Just two verses up, he's talked about all the things. And then he comes down and he gives us what we could use here as an illustration. In other words, you say, okay, if I'm thinking the right things, how would I be day living? And he says, here's an example. He says, I'm able to be content. I'm able to be hungry at times, not have all the food I would want, not have all the clothing I'd want. But I've learned how to be content even that I don't have all the things I want. Now, let's put for a moment hear the word learn. And you walk up on Paul and he seems happy. I say, Paul, do you realize you've worn those same clothes for six days? 
Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I have been bathing, but I'm sorry. I don't have any other clothes. Paul, wait a minute. You're living in that little cell right there? Yes, that's, that's my home for now until they say that I'm free. Paul, what are those? Why? Paul, how in the world in whatever state I'm in, they're in to be content. You mean to tell me how to take care of our needs? It's not for Paul a belief system that says I have to feel emotionally happy or I have to have all of what I think I want for or I'll never be. Paul says I'll God will make it all work out. Take that and, and lay that on hold for just a moment. Let's look at one more passage and then let's develop a few thoughts as we close here. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Let's begin reading at verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, one of the strongholds youth and adults have to pull down in their lies over and over. It destroys our life because that becomes our belief system, lies. Notice what we do. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Okay, so we take out the misbeliefs. Then what happens? Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So here he says, this is where we fight the strongholds of Satan. How do we fight him? We take the arguments, the thoughts that are wrong. They exalt themselves against God. And he says, you bring those down in your life. Instead, you take all of your thoughts and you run them through the chambers of Christ. And you make sure that what you believe is what you believe. Let's conclude. See if we can these through. Let's mention a few here. A number one will apply especially to youth, but it could be true of anyone. I want it, therefore I should have it. A two-year-old sits in his chair, and they're at a restaurant, and he throws the corn cob across the restaurant. Daddy says, "Oh, let's see if he wants a spoon." Of Spits it out. Oh, oh, that's not what he wants. And this is a two-year-old. Very capable of pointing out what he wants. But he screams and he spits it out. And, and mommy says, oh, no, no, that's not what he wants. He wants his little toy here. Hands the toy. And it goes flying across the, the room. And he's still screaming. And so they go through this and hand the child five or six things. And the child just rebels to the top of rebellion. And finally they hand him an eighth thing. And the child quietens down. And mom and daddy say, oh, that's all he wanted. Now, that wasn't all. He also wanted to sh- And he taught you very well. You know what he taught you? I want it, therefore I should have it. The child turns 15. Mom announces that to go into work early this morning, you'll have to ride the bus to school. And the kid throws his book bag across the room. He says, I will not ride the bus. I told you before, I'm not riding it again. 
And mama says, listen, you have to. We have to go in early. You have to ride the bus. He kicks his shoes off and he throws them back in the hall. He says, I'm telling you, I'll be home when you get home. I am not going bus and you'll go to school. And he takes his baseball and throws it into the mirror. And she starts shaking. Here and, and I'll just move it around and I'll get you. Okay, just calm down. He's still showing the fact. It's my job in life. I want it. I should have it. Youth and adults, we all need to learn. There are many things we want in life that we'll never have. There are many things we may have them later. I want and the honest truth is they're not, they're not better. And so learn to decipher between what comes comes a second misbelief. It's terrible to have my feelings hurt. Well, you know, if I say no to all my friends at school, they are going to laugh at me, and when they laugh at me. It hurts to hurt. The truth is, it hurts to hurt, but most of us are hurting. So the idea that because I'm a Christian, I should never hurt is not godly. As a matter of fact, let's go knock on Daniel's door. Let's knock on, on Shadrach. When you're young, and you were stay across to a foreign nation, did it hurt your feelings that they stole you? Oh, yeah. You just that they stop hurting your feelings. Daniel says, no, I continued praying to my God three times a, a day. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, I'm not stopping bowing down uh, 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 to worship the Almighty God. I will not bow down when the music plays to worship the idol. What's the point? Even back in the Old Testament, we see that God was even saying to you, it's not bad to hurt. It's not bad to have your feelings hurt. But if a youth goes through the, their high school years saying, it's a bad thing for my feelings to be hurt, every time a little crowd is going to ask them to do something, they're going to feel compelled that they have to do it because if they don't, they're going to be laughed at and it would be terrible to have your feelings hurt. I've tried to urge my children from a young age, and I don't know if success will only see how it lives out. But I like for my feelings, my children to get their feelings hurt bad at a very young age. I want my children to learn in first grade and second grade it's okay to be laughed at. I want them okay to stand alone. I want them to come home with their heart crushed and then learn time you're a better person because you stayed with God. I don't know how it is for a child to be in high school and still think that it's a bad thing to have their feelings hurt. But it's a lie. It's a lie from Satan that says it's bad to have your feelings hurt. Third, I must be loved by everyone. Jesus taught his disciples the world hates me. And for right. Will there be individuals that dislike us because Jesus said? Or again, we're back to the idea of who are we going to stand with. We're going to stand with the Lord. We're going to stand with those that are putting pressure on us to stand against the Lord. It's not bad to be hated for the right reason. Let's look at another one. 
things have to go right. Do things go right in your life? Do things go right in your life all the time? Is there a youth here that can say things go right in my life all the time? None of us can say things go right in our life all the time. So why do we have such a knee-jerk reaction when we wake up and we're having a bad day? You know what? Many of us had a bad day sometime in the last few weeks. And you know what? In the next few weeks, we're going to have a bad day. The question is, are we going to react in a godly manner? Yes, we're going to have friends to mistreat us. Yes, we're going to have people gossip about us. Yes, we're going to have a bad day where a situation happens and everything goes wrong. We fail the test and whatever it is. But the bottom line is how we react. It shouldn't be shock and dismay. But instead, we should say all things can work together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. We've been running through every one of these series. Happy. Happiness is a result of a holy... Try to be happy is to chase the tail that's never caught. So it is. This morning, we think about how important it is for us to realize how we think. The lies of Satan, let's believe the truth of Jesus Christ. If you haven't been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, won't you believe the truth? Jesus teaches that He can save you, He can redeem you, and that you can do all things through Him who strengthens you. If you're a believer that's willing to repent of sins and confess before man that He is the Son of God, won't you find that in the past? Maybe confess the wrong with a confidence, not in ourselves, but in God. God's way is always best, and God can always do what He says He can do. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand. And-